It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Spirituality for me is recognizing that I'm connected to the energy of all creation, that I'm a part of it, and it is always a part of me. Whatever label or word we use to describe it, doesn't matter. Words are completely inadequate. Spirituality is not religion. You can be spiritual and not have a religious context. The opposite is true, too. You can be very religious with no spiritual dimension, just doctrine. Spirituality isn't something I believe in. It's what and who I am. Knowing this has made all the difference. It allows me to live fearlessly and to make manifest the purpose of my creation. And I will be bold enough to say, I know for sure it is the greatest discovery of life to recognize that you're more than your body and your mind. Over the years, I've read hundreds of books that have helped me become more spiritually attuned. One of them, in particular, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, resonated so deeply with me that it caused a shift in the way I perceived myself and all things. The book is essentially about recognizing that you are not your thoughts and seeing, then changing the way your ego-based mind dominates your life. Allowing the truth of who you are, your spiritual self, to rule your life means you stop struggling and learn to move with the flow of your life. To quote from A New Earth, there are three words that convey the secret of the art of living, the secret of all success and happiness. One with life. Being one with life is being one with now. You then realize that you don't live your life, but life lives you. Life is the dancer, and you are the dance. End of quote. The joy and vitality that comes from being that dance are unmatched by any pleasure you can imagine. What it takes, I've learned, is being committed to experiencing life's spiritual essence. And that, as I've said in conversations with Eckhart Tolle, is a decision you make daily to be in the world, but not of it. 
Remember those internet rumors about the year 2012? For those of you not familiar with the prophecies of global change, based partly on the cycles of the Mayan calendar, suffice it to say that some people predicted a cataclysmic collapse of human civilization, while others foresaw a time of spiritual transformation. Of course, no one can predict the future, but one thing I do know for sure is the power of intention, and my intention is to approach every year as one of great promise. No doomsday for me. I hope to do my part within myself and within the world to bring about a shift that lets us live more authentically, more lovingly, more intuitively, more creatively, and more collaboratively. That's my idea of spiritual evolution, of a spiritual revolution. I chose to see 2012 as the dawning of a new year of alignment because with alignment comes enlightenment. When you are aligned with your heart's desire, when you're in sync with who you're meant to be and how you're supposed to contribute to our magnificent earth, you feel a shift in perception. You start to notice moments of what some people call serendipity, but I like to call marvelisms. Because when I'm doing everything I'm meant to do to keep my mind, body, and spirit whole, I constantly marvel at how other experiences fall into place. It's as though that beautiful line in Paulo Coelho's novel, The Alchemist, comes true when he wrote, When you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. My goal, to stay open to all the universe has to offer. Every year, every day. One of the things I often ask God, please show me who I really am. That may seem like an odd question, but as I go through life, I want to never lose sight of the truth of my existence. One of my favorite life quotes comes from the French philosopher priest Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience, he said. To make that experience as purposeful and poetic as possible is my heart's single greatest desire. For sure. <sighs> Breathe with me for a moment. Place your hands on your stomach and feel it expand as you inhale. Then let it contract and deflate as you exhale. That cycle happens on average 720 times an hour, more than 17,000 times a day without your even thinking about it. The biological wonder of a breath is so easy to take for granted, but every now and again, I get still enough to notice it. And when I do, wow. For sure, I stand in awe of the miracle that is life. Walking barefoot across an earthy carpet of freshly mown grass, wow, it feels so good. Another wow. Every night at sunset, friends and neighbors gather on my front porch to watch what we call the greatest show on earth. We take pictures and compare the color variations of each magnificent light show as the sun dips below the horizon. One day not long ago, it rained for four hours straight, a steady downpour. And then suddenly it stopped. Wow. Everything, trees, fences, sky was luminescent. 
For me, nature is one great big wow after another. And sometimes its smallest offerings are the ones that open my soul to its splendor. For my birthday one year, a florist friend who's created spectacular arrangements of every sort gave me one of my most treasured gifts ever. Two small leaves, shaped like hearts. I keep them pressed between the pages of my favorite book, Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. Every time I open it, I am reminded how simple and beautiful life can be, if we choose to see it that way. Seeking the fullest expression of self. That's the story of my life, in six words. My personal definition of what I'm all about, at least for now. I think of it as my mini-memoir, but in writing it, I was reminded that my definition has always been and still is evolving. Words I would have used last year don't apply today because if we're really committed to growth, we never stop discovering new dimensions of self and self-expression. A few years ago, I went to Fairfield, Iowa, population 9,500 smack in the middle of Midwestern farmland, the last place you'd expect to get stuck in an evening traffic jam caused by hundreds of people heading off to practice transcendental meditation. But that's what they do in Fairfield. In fact, it's often referred to as TM Town. The action takes place in two golden dome-shaped buildings, one for the women, one for the men, housewives, shop clerks, engineers, waitresses, lawyers, moms, single ladies, and me, we all gathered in our dome for the sole purpose of being still. Knowing that stillness is the space where all creative expression, peace, light, and love come to be. It was a powerfully energizing, yet calming experience. I didn't want it to end. When it did, I walked away feeling fuller than when I'd come in, full of hope, a sense of contentment, and profound joy, knowing for sure that even in the daily craziness that bombards us from every direction, there is the constancy of stillness. Only from that space can you create your best work and your best life. I try to give myself a healthy dose of quiet time at least once and when I'm on point twice a day, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 in the evening. It helps me sleep better and focus more deeply. It boosts my productivity and fuels my creativity. Try it, and I think you'll agree that Linda the Good Witch was right. You have always had the power. You've always had it. You just have to be still to find it. And when you do, you're on the way to finding the fullest expression of you. I've always thought of myself as a seeker. And by that, I mean my heart is open to seeing in all forms the divine order and exquisite perfection with which the universe operates. I am beguiled by the mystery of life. As a matter of fact, on my nightstand, I keep a book called In Love with the Mystery 
by Anne Mortify. It's full of tranquil photographs and bite-sized reminders of the preciousness of the wondrous journey we're all on. Here is one of my favorite passages. Let the power come. Let ecstasy erupt. Allow your heart to expand and overflow with adoration for this magnificent creation and for the love, wisdom, and power that birthed it all. Rapture is needed now. Rapture, reverence, and grace. I find solace and inspiration in those words. Too often we block the power that is ever-present and available to us because we're so wrapped up in doing that we lose sight of being. I often wonder what Steve Jobs saw when he uttered his last words, Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I wonder if it was the same vision the mother of a 26-year-old cancer patient shared on my show years ago. With his last breath, her son had said, Oh, Mom, it's so simple. I believe we make our paths far more difficult than they need to be. Our struggle with and resistance to what is entangles us in constant chaos and frustration when it's all so simple. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And remember Newton's third law of motion. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. The energy you create and release into the world will be reciprocated on all levels. Our main job in life is to align with the energy that is the source of all energies and to keep our frequency tuned to the energy of love. This I know for sure. When that is your life's work, mystery solved, or at least the mystery no longer mystifies you. It only heightens the rapture, reverence, and grace. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Are you ready to unlock your inner greatness? If so, make sure to listen to my podcast, The School of Greatness, hosted by me, Lewis Howes. Join me as I sit down with world-class performers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to uncover their secrets to success with new episodes every single week. Whether you're striving for personal growth, business mastery, or simply seeking inspiration, The School of Greatness has something for you. And you can find it on SiriusXM, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe and follow to the show so you never miss an episode and start your journey to greatness today. As the day got closer, I could not stop silently rejoicing. I'd tell myself, I'm turning 60. I'm turning 60. I was so glad I'd live long enough to say those words and celebrate their meaning. I'm turning 60. I'm alive. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I'm turning 60. And please don't take offense. I no longer have to be concerned about what 
any of y'all think of me anymore. You know, the old, am I doing it right? Am I saying it right? Am I being what or who I'm supposed to be? When I turned 60, honey, I knew for sure that I had earned the right to be just as I am. And I am more secure in being myself than I've ever been. I have reached the moment Derek Walcott describes in his beautiful poem, Love After Love. He says, with elation, you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome. I am in awe of the way my journey here on earth continues to unfold. My life has been marked by miracles for as long as I can recall, and even before considering that my entire existence is the result of a one-time frolic under an oak tree. My early days speaking in a Mississippi Methodist church, Baptist leanings, shouting and Holy Ghost included, prepared me for a future of speaking in a public arena I could never have imagined. And now, I simply want to share what I've been given. I want to continue to encourage as many people as I can to open their hearts to life, because if I know anything for sure, it's that opening my own heart is what has brought me my greatest success and joy. My highest achievement? Never shutting down my heart. Even in my darkest moments through sexual abuse, a pregnancy at 14, lies and betrayals, I remain faithful, hopeful, and willing to see the best in people, regardless of whether they were showing me their worst. I continue to believe that no matter how hard the climb, there's always a way to let in a sliver of light to illuminate the path forward. We go through life discovering the truth about who we are and determining Who has earned the right to share the space within our heart? This I also know for sure. God, however you define or refer to him, her, or it, is for us. The forces of nature are for us, offering us life in abundance. We humans narrow what is an open field of wonder and majesty to the myopic reality of our day-to-day experiences, but there is extraordinary in the ordinary. Some days, the awareness of the sanctity and sacredness of life just brings me to my knees with gratitude. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the idea that this little girl from Mississippi who grew up holding her nose in an outhouse now flies on her own plane. My own plane to Africa to help girls who grew up Like me, amazing grace, how sweet is that sound. I approach the milestone of 60 with humility, supreme thanksgiving, and joy, knowing for sure grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. I was 40 years old before I learned to say no. In my early years of working in television, I was often overwhelmed by people's view of me as a benevolent caregiver. Some would spend their last dime on a bus ticket to get to me. Children would run away from home. Abused women would leave their husbands and show up at the doorstep of my studio, all hoping I would help them. In those days, I'd spend a lot of energy trying to get a girl back to her family or hanging on the phone with someone who was threatening to kill herself. I found myself writing check after check, and over time, 
That wore on my spirit. I was so busy trying to give all that everybody else needed me to offer that I lost touch with what I had a genuine desire to give. I had been consumed by the disease to please. And often the word yes would be out of my mouth before I even knew it. I know exactly where that disease came from. Having a history of abuse also meant a history of not being able to set boundaries. Once your personal boundaries have been violated as a child, it's difficult to regain the courage to stop people from stepping on you. You fear being rejected for who you really are, so for years, I spent my life giving everything I could to almost anyone who asked. I was running myself ragged, trying to fulfill other people's expectations of what I should do, who I should be. What cured me was understanding the principle of intention. To quote Gary Zukav again from his book, The Seed of the Soul, every action, thought, and feeling is motivated by an intention. And that intention is a cause that exists as one with an effect. If we participate in the cause, it is not possible for us not to participate in the effect. In this most profound way, we are held responsible for our every action, thought, and feeling, which is to say, for our every intention. I started to examine the intention behind my saying yes when I really meant no. I was saying yes so people wouldn't be angry with me, so they would think I was a nice person. My intention was to make people feel I was the one they could call on, count on, last minute, no matter what. And that was exactly what my experiences reflected, a barrage of requests in every aspect of my life. Shortly after I started to understand this, I got a call from somebody quite famous who wanted me to donate to his charity. He was asking for a lot of money, and I told him I had to think about it. What I thought about was, is this a cause I really believe in? No. Do I really think that writing a check is going to make any difference whatsoever? No. So why would I do it? Because I don't want this person to think I'm stingy. This was no longer a good enough reason for me. I wrote down a few words which I now keep on my desk. Never again will I do anything for anyone that I do not feel directly from my heart. I will not attend a meeting, make a phone call, write a letter, sponsor or participate in any activity in which every fiber of my being does not resound yes. I will act with the intent to be true to myself. I left this on my desk until I didn't have to read it anymore. It became a part of me. Before you say yes to anyone, ask yourself, what is my truest intention? It should come from the purest part of you, not from your head. If you have to ask for advice, give yourself time to let a yes or no resound within you. When it's right, your whole body and being feels it. I know for sure that I had to first get clear about who I was before I could beat the disease to please. When I accepted that I am a decent, kind, and giving person, whether I said yes or no, I no longer had anything to prove. I was once afraid of people saying, 
who does she think she is? Now I have the courage to stand and say, this is who I am. I am not nearly as stressed as people might imagine. Over the years, I've learned to focus my energy on the present, to be fully aware of what's happening in every moment, and not to worry about what should have happened, what's going wrong, or what might come next. Yet, because I do have an awful lot on my plate, if I didn't find a way to decompress, I'd be totally ineffective and probably a little crazy, too. None of us is built to run nonstop. That's why when you don't give yourself the time and care you need, your body rebels in the form of sickness and exhaustion. How do I get back to myself? Well, hardly a day goes by that I don't talk things out with Gail. Almost every night I soak in a hot bath and light a candle or two. May sound hokey, but focusing on a burning candle for just a minute while taking deep and relaxing breaths is very calming. In the evenings right before sleep, I don't read or watch anything, including late-night news, that would give me anxiety. And because I don't like fitful dreams, I protect my sleep by dealing with difficult situations during my waking hours. I also keep a gratitude journal, and at the end of a workday, I come down by reading a great novel or just sitting with myself to come back to my center. It's what I call going mindless. As women, we have been programmed to sacrifice everything in the name of what is good and right for everyone else. Then if there is an inch left over, maybe we can have a piece of that. We need to deprogram ourselves. I know for sure that you cannot give what you don't have. If you allow yourself to be depleted to the point where your emotional and spiritual tank is empty and you're running on fumes of habit, everybody loses especially you. I once taped a show in which a life coach discussed the concept of self-care, putting your own needs ahead of anyone else's, and the audience booed. This was in the early 90s. Women were so upset by the mere suggestion that they should put their needs before those of their children. I interrupted to explain. No one was trying to say you should abandon your children and let them starve. The life coach was suggesting that you nurture yourself so you'll have more nurturing to give to those who most need you. It's the airplane oxygen mask theory. If you don't put on your mask first, you won't be able to save anyone else. So stop and take a look at your own needs. Go mindless. Let go. And remind yourself that this very moment is the only one you know you have for sure. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. 
Are you ready to unlock your inner greatness? If so, make sure to listen to my podcast, The School of Greatness, hosted by me, Lewis Howes. Join me as I sit down with world-class performers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to uncover their secrets to success with new episodes every single week. Whether you're striving for personal growth, business mastery, or simply seeking inspiration, The School of Greatness has something for you. And you can find it on SiriusXM, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe and follow to the show so you never miss an episode and start your journey to greatness today. What I know for sure is that your breath is your anchor. The gift you've been given, that we've all been given to center ourselves in this very moment. Whenever I have an encounter that involves even the slightest tension, I stop, draw in a deep breath, and release. Ever notice how often you unconsciously hold your breath? Once you start paying attention, it might surprise you to see how much tension you've been carrying around inside. Nothing is more effective than a deep, slow inhale and release for surrendering what you can't control and focusing again on what's right in front of you. Here's a confession. I have a fear of flying over the ocean. Though anytime I get on a plane, it's a flight of faith, a belief in something greater than myself, aeronautics, God. Flying over the ocean is particularly disconcerting. I'm not that good a swimmer. But when I have to cross continents, I just do it because I want to be bigger than my fear. I bought a home on a Hawaiian mountain because it was what I imagined paradise to be. Knowing that every time I had to cross the Pacific to get there, I would challenge my fear. The day after Christmas a few years ago, my plane had been airborne long enough for us to pull out Scrabble and start thinking about lunch. Iranya, my friend Bob Green's wife, had brought leftovers from Christmas dinner. No more mashed potatoes for me, I said. I'll just have turkey, dark meat preferably, and green beans. Our flight attendant, Karen, leaned over the table. I thought she was going to say, there's no dark meat left. But instead, she said calmly, there is a slight crack in the windshield. We are going to have to turn around. Oh, I replied. The captain wants you to strap yourselves in and be ready for oxygen masks. Oxygen masks, I thought. What will happen to my dogs? They were lounging nearby. They'll be fine, Karen said, the flight attendant. We're going to drop to 10,000 feet now. I could feel my heart pounding and my voice rising, though I was trying to mirror her calmness. My mind was speeding, oxygen, danger, oxygen, danger. I can't really swim that well. Oh, boy. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear God. I didn't speak, but Corinne later said my eyes were as big as plums. Stedman, steady as a boulder, took my hand, looked me in the eye, and said, You're going to be fine. God didn't bring you this far to leave you. Remember that. The crack had spread and shattered the entire left side of the windshield. We could see it from our seats now. Whoosh. Whoosh. I know all the familiar sounds on that aircraft, and this was something different. I don't like hearing something different at 40,000 feet. Uh, what is that noise, Corinne? We're depressurizing the cabin, she said. 
lowering altitude quickly. And that sound is the oxygen pump. The pilots are on oxygen just in case. I didn't ask just in case what, because we all knew the answer. Just in case that wind chill blew. The pilots, Terry and Danny, turned the plane around, and I watched the clock. 27 minutes to landing, I thought. What if I'd listened to my inner voice and not flown today? Several times that morning, I'd wanted to cancel. I was feeling off balance, rushed. I'd called Bob Green and said, I may not go today. Why, he said, not feeling it. What do you think? And he said, I think you should consult that trusted inner voice of yours. I had taken a bath since the tub is where I do my best thinking and got out ready to call the pilots and postpone that trip. And then I didn't. I overrode that feeling. If I hadn't, would the windshield still have cracked? No doubt. But would we have been over the ocean with no place to land? I looked at the clock again, 26 minutes and 12 seconds until landing. I was going to lose my mind watching that clock. So I started to read. Soon I felt a resolved calm. We'll be all right no matter the outcome. The whoosh, thump, became a source of comfort. Oxygen, life, oxygen, life. We landed safely, of course. The windshield was replaced. And the day after the pilot said, we can fly anytime you're ready. Did I dare fly over the ocean again so soon? What was the lesson for me? Did I get it? I know for sure that whenever your inner GPS is off kilter, trouble awaits. Your instincts are your compass. I got it. I get it. I know it for sure. Up in the air, I relearned the importance of tuning out distraction and tuning in to myself. One of the most important questions a woman can ask herself, what do I really want? And what is my spirit telling me is the best way to proceed? My answer eventually led me toward my passion for serving women and girls. I have a deep understanding of what it's like to be a girl who suffered abuse or lived in poverty, and I believe that education is the door to freedom, the rainbow that leads to the pot of gold. I began to realize that in order to be most effective, I had to be extremely focused on using my time, my concern, my resources, my compassion to uplift a generation of courageous women who own themselves and know their strength. I knew I couldn't save every dying child or intervene in every case of abuse. None of us can. But once I got clear about what I most wanted to give, much of what didn't line up with that intention naturally fell away. Those years of becoming focused taught me a powerful lesson about letting go of the outside pressures and distractions and instead tuning into my gut, that inkling that says, hold on, something's not right here. Please pause and make an adjustment. For me, doubt often means don't. Don't move. Don't answer. Don't rush forward. When I'm mired in uncertainty about what the next step should be, when I'm asked to do something for which I feel little enthusiasm, that's my sign to just stop, to get still, until my instincts give me the go-ahead. 
I believe that uncertainty is my spirit's way of whispering, I'm in flux. I can't decide for you. Something is off balance here. I take that as a cue to recenter myself before making a decision. When the universe compels me toward the best path to take, it never leaves me with maybe, should I, or even perhaps. I always know for sure when it's telling me to proceed because everything inside me rises up to reverberate. Yes. Around my 50th birthday, I became more aware of time than I'd ever been. I felt an almost primal understanding in the core of myself that there was a finite amount of time left, and that feeling permeated everything I did, dictating how I reacted in every moment. It made me more conscious and appreciative of every experience, every awakening. Gee, I'm still here. I have another chance today to get it right. I still try to take in all the experiences, even the negative ones. I take the time, even if it's only one minute in the morning, to breathe slowly, let myself feel the connection to all other breathing and vibrating energies in this world and beyond. I found that recognizing your relationship to infinity makes the finite more palatable. What I know for sure is that giving yourself time to just be is essential to fulfilling your mission as a human being. So I give myself Sundays. Sometimes I spend the whole day in my pajamas. Sometimes I have church under the trees, communing with nature. Most times I just do nothing, piddling I call it, and let my brain and body decompress. Whenever I've slipped up and missed a Sunday, I've noticed a definite change in my disposition for the rest of the week. I know for sure that you cannot give to everybody else and not give back to yourself. You will end up empty or at best less than what you can be for yourself and your family and your work. Replenish the well of yourself for yourself. And if you think there's no time to do that, what you're really saying is, I have no life to give to or live for myself. And if you have no life to live for yourself, then why are you here? About a decade ago, I learned a big lesson. The phone was always ringing on Sundays when I'd set that aside as my time. I'd answer and feel agitated and irritable with the person who'd call. Stedman said to me one of those occasions, If you don't want to talk, why do you keep picking up the phone? Aha moment! Just because the phone is ringing doesn't mean I have to respond. I control what I do with my time. We all do, even when it seems out of control. Protect your time. It is your life. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Many times we insist on having all the best things because that's the only way we can ensure quality of life for ourselves. 
I can neglect myself in every other way, but if I have the best watch or pocketbook or car or square footage, I get to tell myself I am the best and how much I deserve to have even more of the best. What I know for sure, having the best things is no substitute for having the best life. When you can let go of the desire to acquire, you know you are really on your way. I never thought I'd hear myself say this, but I've grown to enjoy lifting weights. I relish the sense of strength and discipline that comes when the muscles are forced to resist. Better still, lifting weights has taught me something about life. I have tried varying schedules, lifting every day, every other day, two days on, a day off. The everyday approach was the least effective. Constant lifting begins to break down the muscle tissue. The same is true with mind and spirit. Without giving yourself a chance to re-energize, you begin to break down all the connective fibers of your life. Keeping it all straight is stressful. You need to give yourself moments to rest. I once told my assistant, just because I have 10 free minutes on my calendar doesn't mean I want to fill them. Let's practice what my philosophy preaches, I said. That meant breathing space had to become part of my daily routine. So I began scheduling little moments of calm in which I do nothing for at least 10 minutes. Sometimes I just rub my dog's belly or play a little fetch or I take a stroll or sit still at my desk. It works wonders. Whenever I give myself these little breaks, I find I have more energy and I'm in a better mood for all the business that comes afterward. I know for sure that a little restoration goes a long way. I don't carry even a twinge of guilt about giving myself that time. I am refilling my tank so that when the next phase begins, I'll be fired up and ready for whatever is to come. Fully restored. I always thought I knew why exercise was essential, to not have a fat tush, but I didn't get the real reason until a visit to Johannesburg in 2005. I was visiting the Leadership Academy for Girls, the school I was building at the time, and knew there were many things on my agenda. I was jet-lagged when I arrived, so at 7 o'clock the next morning, I chose not to get up and work out. Instead, I stayed in bed an extra hour to catch up on rest. That was my excuse the first day. By the third day, it was about the treadmill. I didn't like it. Not enough cushion support for my knees. After three days of not exercising, my resolve to stay fit dissipates. It's easier to lie to myself. I'm too tired. I'm too busy. There's not enough time. Are all part of the downward spiral. Unfortunately for me, the resolve to work out is directly tied to the resolve to eat healthfully. If one slips, so does the other. The food at the hotel was not to my liking, so I made a special request for something anyone can make. Mashed potatoes. The chefs had no problem whipping some up, and so I ate mashed potatoes and bread every night for the duration of my stay, which was 10 days. 10 days of high glycemic foods combined with no working out equals 10 extra pounds for me. Even worse than the weight gain was the way I felt, exhausted, lethargic, I suddenly had aches and strains I didn't know existed. Aha, I finally got it. When you nurture and support your body, it reciprocates. 
The basis of that support is exercise, like it or not. The most essential benefit is more energy. Weight control is a bonus. I know for sure that taking care of your body, no matter what, is an investment. And the return is priceless. Among the many things I learned from Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth was this. I am not my body. After studying Tolle's ideas closely, I felt far more connected to consciousness or soul or inner spirit, whatever you choose to name the formless being that is the essence of who we are. I thought of all the years I'd wasted, hating myself fat and wanting myself thin, feeling guilty about every croissant, then giving up carbs, then fasting, then dieting, then worrying when I wasn't dieting, then eating everything I wanted until the next diet on Monday, or after the holidays, or the next big event. All that wasted time, abhorring the thought of trying on clothes, wondering what was going to fit, what number the scale would say. All that energy I could have spent loving what is, who I am, who you are. I know for sure we're not our bodies or the image we hold of them, but Because what you give your attention to looms larger in this case, literally, all my focus on weight actually made me fatter. I can look at a picture from any period of my life, and the first thing that comes to mind is not the event or experience, but my weight and size, because that is how I viewed and judged myself through the prism of numbers. Such wasted time. I've given up scale watching. No longer will I let a number determine how I see myself, and whether I'm worthy of a good day. It was an awakening to recognize how shallow and small that made me. You're not your body, and for sure you're not your body image. I try not to waste time because I don't want to waste myself. I'm working on not letting people with dark energy consume any of my minutes on this earth. I've learned that the hard way. After giving up hours of myself and my time, which are synonymous when you think about it, I've learned from my experiences of getting sucked into other people's ego dysfunction that their darkness robs you of your own light, the light you need to be for yourself and for others. What I know for sure is that How you spend your time defines who you are. And I want to shine my light for good. Yes, I freely admit it. I have too many shoes. I also have too many jeans and a designer bonanza of black skirts, size 8 to elastic, plus tank tops, T-shirts, and sweaters. In other words, I have issues with having too much stuff. I'm starting to ask myself this question. Do my things promote joy, beauty, usefulness, or are they just burdensome? I've decided to keep only that which delights me or enhances my well-being. Organizational expert Peter Walsh says in his book, Enough Already, that our homes are overwhelmed with stuff and our lives littered with the empty promises that the stuff didn't fulfill. In buying what we want, we hope to acquire the life we desire. 
but chasing the life you want by accumulating more stuff is a dead-end street. Well said, Peter Walsh. This I know. More things don't make you feel more alive. Yet feeling more alive is part of fulfilling your true self. It's the reason we're all here. Material excess is about so much more than the physical objects themselves, although we know we need to let things go. Doing so causes anxiety. Yet, I know that letting go leaves space for more to come. That's true of our relationship, not just to shoes, but to all things. Cleaning house, both literally and metaphorically, is a great way to hit the refresh button. There are all kinds of ways to declutter your life, and They have nothing to do with just donating shoes. Say good riddance to decisions that don't support self-care, self-value, and self-worth. Ask yourself, if the people in your life give you energy and encourage your personal growth or block that growth with dysfunctional dynamics and outdated scripts, if they don't support you as a loving, open, free, and spontaneous being, then goodbye. Put a stop to the stagnant patterns that no longer serve you. At work, reduce not only the clutter of inefficiency, but also strive to create a balanced workload and make your work invigorating, inspiring, collaborative, and empowering to others. I want to be lean and clean for the future. Dust off my wings. I know for sure that doing so will make it easier to fly. Enough already with the stuff that doesn't enhance who we really are. That's the real deal of decluttering, a process that's ever-evolving as you move closer to the self you were meant to be. And saying goodbye to too many shoes is a darn good start. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.